greatest of loves Where my heart becomes free And my shame is undone Oh, your Won't it be wonderful? 
wonderful there Praising, adoring the matchless eternal one Won't it be wonderful there Oh now won't it be wonderful So if you would just remember them in prayer. Also, uh, Brother Lucas and Sister Haley are not with us this evening. Uh, so we just want to remember them. And uh, we just want to remember Sister Cindy Walters. And uh, I believe uh, she had um, her dog to pass away on her. And she's also traveling back on Friday. So we just want to remember her. Also, uh, just remember the McCafferty's who are not with us due to work. So we just want to remember them. And uh, just remember my dad, Brother Keith, who's still traveling. He's currently in Idaho. So if you would just uh, continue to pray for him, that uh, the Lord will give him safe traveling. And uh, we just want to remember Brother Joe Drum. Uh, Tomorrow morning he has his first infusion. So we just want to remember him that that will go well. And uh, we just want to remember uh, Sister Lisa Paschal, who is uh, not well. And also, I have here uh, Sister Hannah Whitlock, uh, while she is down in Florida, unfortunately has broken her wrist, so we just want to remember her. And uh, finally, uh, the Ningamazas, 
they are still traveling, so we just want to remember them as well, that the Lord will be with them. So if you would just stand with me at this time, and uh, we'll have David Stevens uh, come and pray over these needs. And uh, any unspoken prayer requests by the lifting of your hand. I know every day it seems like we they just keep piling up, but we know a God who can still take care of those for us. So Let's bow. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity, dear Lord, to come into your house. Once again, oh God, middle of the week for a refresher, dear Lord, we just come lifting up those who are sick and afflicted in the body, dear Lord, those who couldn't be here and are away, oh God, we just ask you to grant them traveling mercies. We just ask, oh God, that you'll reveal yourself to us tonight, dear God. Let us leave here being changed, oh God. We just give you the remainder of the service. We just lift you up, oh God. We just we just want to magnify your name among us, oh God. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may have your seats. Let's go ahead and uh, put it back in the key of D. I was... Uh, sitting back there just uh, trying to get ready and praying and I just had this song come back and that Brother Jaron sang on Sunday uh, so we'll go ahead and sing it because I don't have any uh, specials this evening so we'll just uh, take a little bit of time just to worship him before Brother Barry comes so healing is here Yeah. 
the ushers would come forward at this time, if you would just uh, go ahead and pull up the song, uh, Jesus, there's just something about that name. Brother Chris, if you would just pray over the tithes and offering. Amen. Just sing this as Brother Barry comes this evening. So Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about that name. His
amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. How many are glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Let's sing it together. Amazing grace. Amazing grace shall always be my song of also want to remember, uh, if you read your update today, Sister Becky has a cousin, uh, Candle Weaver. They came to visit us from California a couple of years ago, and uh, she was diagnosed with cancer today, and it was a real shock to her and the family. And uh, so we're going to send her this prayer cloth. This is the one, the ones that Brother Brandon prayed for. We're going to send that uh, to them. And uh, if you don't mind, just take that need before the Lord and we just know that God is a healer uh, the same as he ever was he doesn't have to be standing right here to be a healer by his stripes we are healed not by his presence but by his stripes we are healed and so we believe that tonight join with me in prayer and for these other special requests that we have already mentioned here Heavenly Father as we stand in your presence tonight Lord it's a privilege an awesome privilege Lord to be able to come into the presence of the King. And to know, Lord, that we can approach you, even in our weakness, with all of our failings. Lord, we are able to approach you because of the blood of Christ and how you made a way, Lord, for us to come. And now in the name of Jesus Christ, we come, Lord, binding all of these needs together. And we present them before you, Lord, and lay them at your feet, believing, Lord, that you hear, you understand. And, Lord, you have the resources to minister to every need without question. And Lord, even without hesitation. 
And so we ask now in Jesus Christ's name that you would just be strong, Lord, on behalf of those that are sick. We pray, Lord, for Lucas tonight, Lucas and Haley, and we curse that affliction, Lord, that holds him down. We ask and pray that you would bring complete healing to his body. And Lord, restore him again, I pray. Father, we remember a candle tonight, Lord, and ask, oh God, that you would just be gracious to her. We know that you're a healer, Lord, and we know that we are able to bear the infirmities of those that are sick, Lord, to you. And we know, Lord Jesus, you have a purpose in everything. And Father God, time or distance doesn't matter at all to you. And so we bring her before your throne of grace, Lord. And with this prayer cloth tonight, we ask, O oh God, that you would just show mercy to her. Lord, bring healing to her body. Father, may fear not be her guiding principle, Lord, but may faith be her guiding principle tonight. Lord, we commit her to you now and ask that you would bless her and Bill and, and all the family. Lord, we commit them to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Bless this service now and our gathering. Lord, it's always exciting to come into your presence. And we give this time to you now and pray that you administer to our hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. And amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, take your Bible if you don't mind. Uh, good to have all of you here uh, tonight. A special guests. God bless you. Uh, good to have each and every one of you with us. Let's go to two places in the Scripture. Uh, we're going to go to First John, and uh, we'll read there First John chapter one. And uh, good to have the Jacksons back uh, tonight, Brother David. Good to have you here back again. We missed you, and may God bless you, Hunter. Good to have you here, and we uh, just trust that the Lord will. Bless you all tonight. Just a little study. Would that be all right? Do a little study tonight. First John chapter First uh, John chapter one verse six. And if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie, and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. You may be seated tonight. God bless you. Now, take your Bible, if you don't mind. Let's go right back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Our subject has been the earth and the new earth, getting from here to there. This is a pretty critical thing for us. Every other age had to transition from one age to another. And that's a lot like transitioning from one season to another. The process is gradual. But when we leave here, it's an, it's an end. It's going to be a moment where this thing ends. When we go from summer to fall, praise God, it's a gradual thing. To me, it never comes fast enough. But it's a gradual process. But when we leave here, our bodies are going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, which is very fast. It will, there's going to be nothing gradual about that. We may gradually come to that moment, but when we are changed, it'll be a moment uh, less than we can count. And that'll be an exciting thing. So our preparations are being made now for that moment in time when we shall be changed. Is that all right? So our walk on this earth matters because we want to be walking not only in the right direction, but we want to be walking in the right way. Because Enoch walked in a way that pleased God, and then God took him for he was not. So I want to figure out, I want to know, I've been praying, Lord, help me to walk in the right way 
to be saying the right things, doing the right things, being in the right place at the right time. In other words, Lord, let my footsteps be ordered of thee. That's my goal. That's my desire. And so this is a very, in a sense, it's a very practical thing. But there's an element, there's many elements to this. And as I, as naturally you begin to, you know, study on a subject like this, as broad as this, uh, there are all kinds of little things that you begin to notice along the journey. And we are a people who don't walk in darkness anymore. We did. There was a time when we got up every morning and made it to the end of the day and never really understood a lick about God's program. Never understood really about the importance of the time you lived in. We never placed any value on the fact that God let you live in what he considered to be the greatest age of all time. I mean, there's many days we got up uh, out of bed and never uh, never realized that. But now today, as we are growing and maturing and, uh, you know, we're coming to the place where uh, the word means more to us all the time, we're realizing the value of where God's placed us. He's placed us in a really important time and really important things going on. And the only way that you're going to make sense of any of that is to follow him and follow him very closely and very carefully. So uh, I want to say this uh, at the beginning here, that uh, this, this is kind of, this little uh, sermon tonight took a little different direction than what I originally thought. But in 1 Thessalonians, as we read here, as we're going to read here, uh, Paul describes the people who are uh, caught up in that cycle of the rapture description that we uh, all are familiar with in uh, chapter 4, where Paul writes and says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice and the archangel and so forth and the trump of God. And we know we're living in that process. We're living in that unfolding, right? How many know that the shout is a message? And so we have that. We're living in this. This is not going to begin sometime. This has already begun. And so this is the uh, the season where uh, the, the bride is uh, being ushered out and ushered towards that day when we shall be changed. But then Paul writes, But of the times and seasons, brethren, we have no need, you have no need that I write unto you. For ye yourself, for yourselves know perfectly at the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. And when they shall say, when they shall say peace and safety. Now their interpretation, whoever they are, uh, their interpretation is a different interpretation than ours. Because we're not saying, hey, peace and safety, everything's going to be okay. It's going to roll on. We'll elect a new government or, uh, you know, we'll send out a stimulus check and everybody will be happy and things will be okay. We're not saying that at all. We're saying that no matter what the government does and no matter what the churches do and no matter what the people of the world do, this thing's winding up. We have a time stamp placed on us like it was in the days of Noah, Right? Where God signaled to us by a prophet, this is the end time. And the end time means that there's a set period of time where God's going to uh, let, the, let the people on earth uh, continue on, hopefully within a space to repent. But if not, God's going to shut it down and that's it. It's over. Right? And that's, that's what we're facing here. So our interpretation is, is different than what the people in the world are saying here. And they shall say peace and safety. Then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. So they're saying one thing, but another thing is about to happen. Sudden destruction. Those are two very different things. Peace and safety, sudden destruction. We're living in a time where because weather patterns are changing and so forth, there's been lots more flash floods, right? And flash floods don't happen gradually or passively. 
They happen like in your face all of a sudden. They'll rip your house off the foundation and then it's over. It's sudden destruction. It is really a terrible thing. As a matter of fact, the Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, that's what he's referring to. It's not this gradual swelling of the river. It's a flash flood. When he comes in like a, like a, a storm, uh, then, uh, sudden, then this destruction comes. And that's exactly what Paul is saying. They're saying peace and safety, and then sudden destruction comes. Two very different interpretations of what's going on. And he says, as it'll come as travail upon a woman with child, they shall not escape. But ye brethren, so this is us now he's speaking to, ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You're all children of the light and children of the day. We're not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep in the night, they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation, uh, and so forth. So Paul is, uh, Paul is giving us a very clear instruction here in this last day, because we're not children of darkness. So we're not groping and wondering and probing and trying to figure out what's going on. We're not depending on the media to give us guidance as to what's going on or what day we're living in. Everybody agree? We lo- I, sometimes I look at the, the media with, with a sense of humor. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, but sometimes it's, it's funny uh, how they'll interpret things. Because, uh, I mean, everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got an idea. I'm glad we got an absolute. So here's what Brother Branham says about our time. God's now loosening up the church everywhere, getting an order so he can get it in, so he can get into the rapture. Gotta give it rapturing faith though before it can go in the rapture. So there's a loosening up process, meaning that we're not tied down by systems or, uh, tied down by any sort of bondage, anything that will chain you to the ground. We're loosening up from there, but we're also receiving something that fuels the tank, if you like. We're receiving the necessary fuel in the tank in order to get out of here. You're not going to get that by just attending church. You're not going to get that by just being around believers. You're not going to get that by just, uh, uh, you know, attending the right youth camps or something. You're going to get that as you walk in the light as he's in the light. That's how you're going to get it. And that comes because you have a personal uh, revelation of Jesus Christ. We've got a... Uh, we've, uh, we got our youth meeting and, uh, on, fr- on Saturday night, 5.30 to 9.30. We have, uh, uh, services on Sunday. I was speaking to Brother Craig today and I was talking to him a little bit about, uh, the service on the youth gathering on Saturday night. And I was, I was, uh, priming him a little bit and I said, you know, uh, we have some questions and they're good questions by some of our young people about, uh, associating with other uh, people around us, like, you know, associates. You may have, some of you folks may have associates that are good Christian people. And they may appear to even be more dedicated than you are. And very sincere. And you might go to a Christian school or have, uh, you know, Christian, Christian friends or, uh, that you associate with or work with. And, and sometimes the question comes up, how much do we associate with them? How much are we, are we supposed to deal with them at arm's length all the time? Or, uh, do we witness to them? And if we do, how do we witness to them? And, uh, you know, he was just, it just lit his fire. He said, boy, that's just, that's just tremendous. Those are tremendous questions. And I said, and you'll, you'll find that they'll want to talk a little bit more about that. So he was all excited. But, you know, there, in the, in the last days, there are, uh, you know, because we have such, uh, a greater amount of interaction with people, 
and we interact so much with so many different people in different forms and so forth, uh, we've got to be, we've got to be making sure that we're always interacting in the right way. Not interacting in a way that we're going to get pulled, pulled down to something we're not supposed to be doing. We don't want to be pulled aside to something that doesn't matter. We want to be pulled upward and pull up others up with us. Would that be okay? So even for you old folks that are here, if you're over 30, that's what I consider old, then you're, you're also careful about, you know, the people you work with, people you associate with, uh, people you deal with on a, on a regular and irregular basis. We want to be doing everything we can uh, to witness truth to them and, and to bring them a little bit higher. And if necessary, in all of that witnessing, use words if you need to. Use books and, and, uh, and, uh, and you know, a web address or something if you need to. I was going to say books and tapes. Nobody gives out tapes anymore. Unless you're really over 30, then you want to give out tapes. But if you're, if you're, if, if you're, you know, in a position to witness to somebody, your life is going to witness to them better than anything else you can put in their hand. What you put in their heart is much more effective than what you put in their hand. And so we, we're, we're going, Lord willing, we'll probably talk about that uh, this week. But we, we want to be making sure now that this is, and this is Brother Bram's whole vision for the last day, that the people are in the spirit of the last days. The people of the world are moving in the spirit. They're moving into a channel uh, of, of uh, the anointing for the last day. And you have a, a bride that's moving into a channel. You have nations that are moving into their position as well. You have churches that are anointed to do a certain thing, go a certain way. Right? Rome is being anointed a certain way. Well, let's take a look at that tonight, all right? Now, Noah, one day, while out on the plains, he was perhaps digging around, fixing his crop, and God came down and began to speak to him and said, Noah, I can see your heart, and I know the sins of the world vex you. They're all cultured people. They've gotten completely away from me, smart, highly educated, polished men. But I want you for the uh, saving of your household and all that will come in, go over and start preparing a great boat because I'm going to send rain down to destroy the world. Now, Moses, or sorry, Noah was referred to as a Siddiq in the Hebrew uh, culture. That meant that of his generation, he was the most righteous man outside of Enoch. He was a prophet. He was the most righteous man that was on the earth. And the Hebrew people described that person as a uh, Sadiq. Now, it may not be, it may, like if you took Noah and you compared him to somebody in our day, it might be quite different. But God doesn't judge somebody back there on the basis of what we have. God judges a person in their day on what they know in that day, what God's revealed in that day. And that'll be the same way it is for you. So, therefore, it's important to, to recognize that when God chose Noah, he chose a very righteous and an honorable man. Uh, even though, uh, even though we, you know, I, I've, I've heard people be critical of people like Noah. But he said, now, there had never been any rain before, so science would have said to him, hey, where's the rain coming from? But Noah had caught the voice of God and seen God's program. And there's, that, there's the great thing that so many miss seeing is God's program. It's a great thing to be able to see God's program. Do you know that? It's really a great thing to be able to see God's program. Because when you see the program, you know what's going on. Uh, you know, if you ever go to a concert or a recital or a piano recital or something else, I've sat through many and, uh, you know, enjoyed lots of programs like that. I like, I like to have a program. Even if I don't, I, if I can't pronounce all the words on it, I like to have a program because I kind of like to know where I am in the whole scheme of things. How soon 
Am I going to be able to get a cup of coffee after this is over? How, how many more people here? Not that I, not that I dislike that. I, I, I enjoy it. But I like to know where I am on, on the, on the timeline. I just, I'm one of those people I just like to know. And Brother Branham said it's a great, great thing. And people get, actually get messed up when they, when they miss or they get out of sync with God's program. Because they, they all of a sudden are putting priority on things that really don't matter. And they're looking at things that really don't count. And he said, but God's program, he said, it's exactly right. It's exactly on time. He's never behind. It's exactly right. There's nothing running out of, out of line. He said, it's right on time, and he's never behind. So even though we may interpret things, or we may listen to other people who try to interpret things, God's never late. God's never behind. He's always on time. And if we get impatient, then let me tell you, we're reading the program wrong. There's, there's many things you'll miss when you get out of sync with God's program, all right? Now, let's look at some of these things about the program, because as, we, as we're read here uh, in two of these scriptures, they deal with light and how that pe- the people of God actually walk in the light of the hour. And if we walk in the light of the hour, then we don't stumble about like drunk men. We don't stumble around like people uh, who have no, uh, no conception of what's around them, have no idea. And so this is what the scripture says, that if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he's in the light. And that word walk, it means to make one's, uh, make, make progress and to make use of the opportunities or regulate your life and conduct under leadership. <clears throat> so in, in order for us <clears throat> to walk correctly, <clears throat> we have to take advantage of, we have to utilize the resources that are provided for us and put ourselves under the right kind of leadership, that's a pretty safe place to be. God's given us a message in this last day in order, in order to show us step by step where we're going, but he's also given us his leadership. He hasn't forsaken us. He said, I'll be with you even in you until the very end. Right? Aren't you glad for that? So not only does he hand you a program or roadmap, but he says, I'll go with you as well. So we're not depending on whether you can interpret that map. I will be there to help point you out, and I'll be there to help you when you take a wrong turn, and I'll be there uh, when you go past the place and you miss it. I know where my own house is. I'll make sure you get there. That's, that's what he's actually saying when he uses that word walk. And if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we're going to make our way, we're going to progress along the pathway using the opportunities and the things that God's put in our way and also to conduct ourselves forward under his leadership. That's a great safe place to be, especially in an hour like this. Again, he says, I'm being repetitive. If you don't know how the, uh, if you don't know the word of God and the plan of God, you can be easily shook. If you don't know the plan of God and the word of God, you can be easily shook. And that's the reason Moses could not be shook. That's why Moses had the guts to go down out of Egypt, one man with a stick, and walk into the court of Pharaoh and say, let my people go. That's that's because he knew the program of God. He knew this was leaving time. He knew this was God fulfilling his word uh, made to Abraham years ago. And he had no doubt about it at all. If that was that time, nothing's going to stop him. And nothing's going to, uh, you know, no no strength or no army of Pharaoh is going to stop that. It's going to happen just exactly the way that God said. And he knew that. He was confident. And so knowing the plan of God gives you confidence. Knowing the plan of God gives you the courage to press on. Knowing the plan of God makes you feel like uh, that you're not in control, but God's in control. 
And when we see obstacles that we cannot overcome, hey, God must have a way because this is God's program. God doesn't ask you to come up with the program. He only asks you to get in tune with the program and follow using the, uh, the opportunities and the resources he's given to you. And he says, no, that's the reason Moses couldn't be shook. He talked face to face with God, and God told him, I am the one that uh, was with Abraham back yonder, and I'm the one that uh, made this promise, and I'll be with you. And he said, how are you going to stop that man? That's why I say, uh, it, it is not good enough for you to be just a church member. It's not good enough for you just to carry a Bible. It's, it's important for you to be like what Moses did. He talked face to face with God. Somebody who has a relationship with God, somebody who has a new birth, somebody say amen. If you have a new birth, you have a relationship with God, it's very hard to shake that person. Very hard to shake him at all. Now, uh, sometimes you come across a quote that makes, makes a lot of other quotes make sense. Now, I don't intend, and I say this respectfully, but I don't intend to read you people to death. I don't intend to take the part of you who should be reading the message also yourself. I, I, I quote a lot of it because I have found over my years in assessing my opinions and my thoughts about things, these thoughts are better. The reason I read this stuff and the reason I read the scripture and the, and the message so much is because in my assessment of my own interpretation and my thoughts about things, this is better. So I'd rather you had this than this. All right, so that's just me. But sometimes there's a quote that makes a lot of other quotes make sense. Now watch what he says. I, he said, I just get lost when I think about the need of the hour. We're born into the kingdom. And he says, over in Hebrews, we read, we receive a kingdom. And he said, not a system or a creed, but we receive a kingdom that cannot be moved. Now, the world's falling apart. That's true. We all believe that. And every politician, every denomination, every church will fall to pieces, but we receive a kingdom that cannot be moved. So it's all doomed, in a sense. It's all doomed. For if they who rejected him... For if they who rejected him who spoke from Mount Sinai and the earth would be shook by his voice, how much more see that you don't reject him? And he's quoting Hebrews chapter 6 here. Everything that's outside of that, everything that's outside the domain of the kingdom of God, watch now the last line, God sent everything. He made it fragile. He made it fragile so it would break. Now look, you remember, some of you old timers, you folks that are over 30, hello? You remember in the old days when you had a washing machine and they took the parts out when they broke, and they only broke occasionally, but they broke, and, and when they pulled them out, they were metal, or they were made of some substance. Nowadays, you notice when they pull a part out of your washing machine or your dishwasher, it's plastic, Right? And I asked my repairman, who I know very well, he's the guy who asked me to pray for him, and we prayed for him here. And uh, I asked him the question one day. I said, how come, uh, you know, they do it like that? And he said, duh. He said, it's going to break. And if it's going to break, you're either going to buy parts for it and, you know, sustain the people who make parts, or you're going to scrap the machine and buy another one. How many of you have ever called a repairman in lately to fix your toaster? Well, you don't do that anymore. You just throw it out. Go to Target and buy one for half the price you bought this one in the first place, right? And that's, that's probably $200 cheaper than getting a repairman in to look at it and say, oh, we can't fix it. But we still got to charge a service fee. Thanks, buddy. So when you make something fragile, it's going to break. And here's God actually allowing kingdoms of the earth 
to be constructed in such a way that he knew they were going to break. They were not going to last. There were going to come storms. There were going to come floods. There were going to come judgment cycles. There were going to come times where everything that men made in the earth, no matter how great your kingdom, whether you're a Caesar or an Alexander or you're uh, whoever, nobody built a kingdom that could last forever because it was made by man. Only the kingdom made by God is going to endure and ride through the storm and get over on the other side. Well, naturally, we want to be a part of that kingdom, right? We receive a kingdom that cannot be moved. You don't want to be, you don't want to be eternally connected to a kingdom that's going to break. But in this world, if you're connected to the Roman kingdom or the Methodist kingdom or the Pentecostal kingdom or whatever else, it, it's made in such a way that it's going to break. There's nothing in there permanent. And I'll tell you what, there's not many, not many systems left anymore, religious systems at least, that have the stability to ride out their own problems. Right? I mean, there's some very powerful denominations that are cracking up, not because there's armies fighting against them and not because the government's trying to shut them down. They're breaking themselves up. I mean, huge and powerful and wealthy denominations. In my city, in St. John's, Newfoundland up there, they're selling the major and main churches in the city and the schools and the gymnasiums and the skating rinks and all the other property. They're selling it all up there to, to buyers on auction to pay for the lawsuits that are leveled by abuses of uh, sexual abuse victims uh, against the priesthood in the Catholic Church. So they're selling property wholesale up there. They don't have hardly any Catholic schools left now, or uh, even their churches in the main cities they're selling to pay the bill for the lawsuits against the uh, priests that are going on up there. I mean, it's just incredible that uh, these systems are not, they're not being attacked by anybody or any government they're falling apart on their own but you know what they're made that way the reality is they're made that way look at the southern baptist convention look at the sexual abuse cases that are in there and now they're under investigation by criminal attorneys and so forth and uh, i mean look at the uh, methodist organization and look at the you know i mean pick one of them pick any one of them and the divisions that are going on, the separation that's occurring there. I mean, major, major organizations there. They're made that way. They're not made to last. You know what? There's only one real group on earth in history that's been made to last. That's the elect of God. Because despite the wars, the persecution, the tribulations, the pestilences, despite all the opposition, whether it's by your parents or whether it's by your government, either way, the bride of Christ has endured all the way right down to the very end. I'm glad I'm a part of that. You don't get into that by joining. You don't get into that by virtue of living in a town with the right church. You get into that by a new birth. By one spirit we're baptized into the body, right? So let's talk a little bit about, about the world that we see and the eyes that we have opened during our time. Now, this has been something that's interesting. I never told you, uh, just bringing it up here tonight, and just only one screen in, relate, in relation to China. And uh, the, the headline there, Brother Aaron Nengamaza told me about this several weeks ago, and he flashed this be, up uh, for me, and I had never heard anything about it. But there's a, uh, you remember back in 2008, there was a housing crisis that was here. 
uh, very complicated thing, very, very nasty thing, and it almost brought our economy down. And uh, it was very serious. Uh, it's even, even today, they're still feeling the repercussions of that. China is going through the same kind of thing. And their economy is really struggling. There, matter of fact, there's lots of areas of China now that are under severe drought. And uh, I saw a picture today where they're shooting rockets into the air to try to uh, streak the clouds so that they'll rain. And, I mean, they're desperate as anything down there because all the major rivers are drying up in central China. And, uh, but besides that, and we have cycles of drought and so forth, but besides that, their economy is actually uh, uh, struggling in a startling way. And this week, official data showed a sharp uh, fall in economic activity uh, as lockdowns continued in uh, major places there. And retail sales in April shrank from 11% a year uh, earlier, the biggest contraction since 2020, and so forth. This is just one little section out of uh, The Guardian. The Forbes magazine did the same thing. I mean, this is, this is uh, I'm giving you just a little glimpse into something that's a major, major problem. And there's a housing crisis there where uh, people are not paying their rent and there's all kinds of things that are happening there and a collapse. And uh, all of the other unemployment there is rising. Their unemployment is double what it is here in the United States. And there's all kinds of other uh, activities going on. And, and the problem is in China is that uh, the state controls everything. It's not a free market, so the state controls everything. And when the state feels like we need to have the priority and we need to have the funding and we need to have, uh, you know, priority in everybody's life, then the, the market generally tends to suffer. And that's where the party is today. So there's all kinds of things that are going on in that part of the world. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to roll over and, and not be an issue. Hey, listen, everyone in the world is going to be affected if, if China is affected in a negative way uh, economically. Everyone. And there are things about the military that are going on that will affect, uh, uh, especially, uh, especially in our world here today. They have uh, far more ships now in the Navy, for instance, than uh, we do here in the United States. And they're clearly way out front uh, in those areas because they have invested in certain things and made that a priority rather than other things over here. And so they're feeling the pinch for that. Anyway, I'm saying this, that the whole world, because China affects the whole world in terms of its supply, the whole world is affected by events like this in China. That's the only screen I'm going to give you there. Now, <clears throat> someone sent me a little headline about Russia today, and I'll, I'll get to it in a moment. But just to say this. Brother Bram says, now, I want to say this to you for your veterans and Bible students. He says, what are you fussing and hollering about Russia for? He says, you don't hear me telling you to build a bomb shelter, do you? He said, Russia ain't nothing they ain't going to win no wars. They ain't going to conquer no world. I'm glad Brother Branham didn't tell us to build a bomb shelter. Uh, you notice when Y2K came and went, and we all look back in the message to find out what Brother Branham should have said about Y2K, and he said nothing. said nothing. As a matter of fact, there are certain topics that Brother Branham mentions uh, often in his, in his preaching, from the early parts of his ministry till the end. And there's parts that he doesn't mention at all. China is one of those things he doesn't mention in relation to prophecy. He doesn't hardly say anything about China at all. Yet there's such a, you know, a prominent thing in the world today. But let's read on. He says, China ain't nothing, or sorry, Russia ain't nothing. They ain't going to win no wars. They ain't going to conquer no world. Communism isn't going to conquer no world. 
What's the matter with you people? Now, you've got to think now. 1962, America is fueled by this anti-communist passion, fueled by J. Edgar Hoover. Right? I mean, you, most of you folks are too old to remember that. Brother Tom said amen. He's allowed to say amen. Back then, let me tell you, if you said the word communism in, in, your, uh, you know, in your tool shed, there'd be a knock on the door. There'd be police there, you know, because everyone was so paranoid about communism back then. And Hoover got everybody all worked up. So back in that day, Brother Branham uh, encountered this a lot, that, that Russians are the Antichrist and, and uh, uh, you know, they're going to take over the world and everything else. And religion got, all the churches got involved in and so forth. Brother Branham says communism isn't going to conquer the world. He said, what's the matter? Can God's word fail? To the world I speak, or wherever these tapes go, Russia, communism isn't conquering nothing. God's word can't fail. Romanism's going to conquer the world. Romanism's going to conquer the world. Now, they asked Brother Bam the question here in questions and answers. You've said many times that communism was raised up by God to serve his purpose as King Nebuchadnezzar. So King Nebuchadnezzar was taken, uh, you know, led by God in order to take uh, the Israelites and bring them off into captivity for 70 years. Now he says, where did communism fit in the picture? And how does it wind up? Many scholars believe that in the kingdom of the north, Gog and Magog mentioned in the scripture goes down against Israel. And I believe some of the tapes you said communism would finally destroy Catholicism or the Vatican by an explosion. Is that right? So this is actually a good question. Brother Branham deals with it uh, kind of short, but this is a portion of what he says. I'm just going to give you this one little screen. And he says, he refers to Revelation 16, Revelation 18, and he says, yes, you'll find it there. And the merchants and everything else bought our merchandise. Just forget about communism. It's nothing in the world but a bunch of people. That's nothing but barbarians. That's ungodly. So in comparison to the Roman Catholic system, he was uh, cautioning us, don't worry about that. They're really a tool in the hands of God. And he said, it's a system. Let me show you something just to show you how simple it is. There's only 1% of the population of Russia that's really communist. They need a messenger. 99% of them are still on the Christian side. Or they're not true communists. And he said, 1%. Now, how can they control 99%? How can they get away with that? That ought to explain it to you right there. If God didn't permit it, that it would be thrown out long ago. So God made kingdoms of the earth fragile so they would break. God also raises up kingdoms like Nebuchadnezzar and the Russians to use them to fulfill his will. Right? Are we okay? I know it's Wednesday night, but just follow me here now. And he says, if God didn't permit that, common sense would tell you that if 99% of the people didn't want the kind of leadership that's in the country, they would eventually vote it out or, uh, you know, rise up against the, uh, the, uh, the proletariat and, you know, run them out and all the rest of it, that all of that would happen. But what's interesting is how Russia is being used. Now, this was the uh, headline that I was sent today, that there is a, it's an amazing thing, that Jews today, around the world, because we're living in this end time, need to be in only one place, and that place is Israel. And what this article documents is the amount of Jewish people that are leaving Russia because of the war against Ukraine and migrating back to Israel again. Because God will shake them out. God will get them out one way or the other. But he knows where every Jew belongs, just like he knows where you belong. 
And God will shake you out of your world and God will sift you out and God will call you and pluck you out until you come into the light because that's where you're supposed to be in the last day, right? So Israel's supposed to be going back to the tree of life. They're supposed to be going back to Israel. And this is one of the chief rabbis that's there uh, who is leaving. And the, the Jewish agency has been around a long time. It helps uh, Jews go back to Israel again and helps them assimilate back into the country again. And they're recording all of these numbers altogether. Now, all right, so what part really does Russia play? Let's take a look. If you have your Bible, open it up, go back to Ezekiel 38. Ezekiel chapter 38. Now, I'd like to show you something here that is food for thought. And if it isn't coming to pass right now, it will. Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. Now, Ezekiel is wrapped up, or sorry, divided, if you like, into different passages here, different sections of the book. And this section of the book, which is the end of the book of Ezekiel, deals with the judgment and restoration cycle uh, that Ezekiel sees and he describes. Okay, And so uh, when this chapter 37 opens up, we're not going to read that, but when that opens up, uh, the Spirit of the Lord comes to the prophet and says in the valley, he says, look out. He says, what do you see in the valley? He says, I see a bunch of dry bones. And he asks him, he says, will these dry bones live? And the prophet looks at him and says, Lord, only thou knowest. And he says, speak unto these bones and they shall live. And then, of course, the bones come you know, back up into a form and they have life and so forth. And it's just an amazing thing how uh, the prophet sees that. In other words, uh, it looks like Israel is sunk. They're gone forever. But you know what? God's going to restore and bring them back to life again. So this is what it's all about. In that season... In that season now, we come into chapter 38, and this is the prophecies here, 37, 38, 39, are really one continuous prophecy. And this is what he says in 38. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog in the land of Magog. We know that that's the Russian area. And he says, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal and prophesy against him. And say, thus saith the Lord God, I am against the Ogog and the chief prince, uh, prince of Meshach and Tubal. In other words, <clears throat> you, are, you are in the picture here because I brought you into the picture. You are being used because I need somebody to do what you can do. Okay? But I'm against you. And he says this in verse 4. And I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws and will bring thee forth. And all thine army, horses and horsemen, and all them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, Libya. These are all the, all friends with the king of the north. And he says in verse 6 there, and many people with thee. Go down to verse 8. After many days shalt thou be visited in the latter years. Thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people. Who is that? But Israel. Israel's gathered out of many people, right? Gathered out of many nations. This is the latter years now, last day. Israel's gathered out of many nations. Everybody following me say amen. So this he's referring to in that last day. He says, thou shall be visited. And he says, these people will be brought back and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have always been waste, but it is brought forth out of the nations, and thou shalt dwell safely in all of them. And thou shalt ascend and come like a storm. 
And thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land, thou and all thy bands, and many people with thee. And he's describing a conflict that comes. I believe it's Armageddon. He's describing a conflict here. And he says to Gog and Magog, he says, I will put a hook in thy jaw and drag you down into the promised land. The end of that arrow is Israel, right there. Is Jerusalem, right there in the bottom of the screen. Here's Gog and Magog all up in this area right here. And he says, I'm going to drag you into this conflict. If you drag Russia through the, down, down to the Middle East, you're going to drag them right through Ukraine. Huh. Just saying. I'm just saying that if this isn't that, then sometime this has got to be fulfilled. And I'm putting forward to you that I think it is the beginning of that. That's just me now, okay? That's just my, my study of the scripture. That's, that's what that is. That's what's going on. Now, come over and, and you can, you can take this and read it, especially chapter 38 and take it and read it. But if you don't mind, just go to uh, verse 15. And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts, thou and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses, a great company, mighty army. This is warfare. This is what, this is what Ezekiel is seeing here. That these are coming not for peace, but for war. He's talking about swords and, uh, uh, you know, he's talking about weapons of war. And when you're on horses, that describes war in the Bible. And thou shalt come up against my people Israel as a cloud to cover the land. And it shall be in the latter days and I will bring thee against my land. I will do that. I will bring thee. I'm going to cause this. I'm going to bring thee. Now look, stop for a minute. A lot of people think, well, if we as a bunch of nations get together and join with Ukraine, we're going to push Russia back and destroy them and it won't be any more Russia. Prophecy says different. Prophecy says there's going to be something called Russia or Gog and Magog that's going to be used by God in the battle in Israel. Not in Ukraine, but in Israel. It's got to get down there. How's it going to get down there? God's going to drag them down there. Let's read on, just a little bit further here. 17. And thus saith the Lord, art thou he whom I have spoken of in old time by my servants, the prophets of Israel, which prophesied in those days many years that I would bring thee against them? Aren't you the one that I prophesied through many prophets over the years? That I would actually bring thee, Gog, against them, Israel, and it shall come to pass at the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face and in my jealousy and in my wrath. I'll say, surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel. 21, and I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains. Hey, you don't want to be on the other side when God calls for a sword against, uh, against you as an army, right? And this is not Israel, <clears throat> this is not Israel here, uh, the IDF, you know, just uh, accumulating, stockpiling weapons here. This is God fighting for Israel. And, and it talks about how God would burn the, the armies that come down and burn their weapons and burn their horses. Let me tell you, those references are references to atomic warfare. And I will tell you what, this is, this is a time period when you don't want to be here. Because it's all going to break loose. <clears throat> in Ezekiel, uh, we just read in Ezekiel here. I found this diagram today, which is really interesting. Uh, that uh, this was not somebody, I don't think, this is somebody in the message here. But this is Russia the bear coming down to Israel. And again, you have to come right through. He's got his, 
he's got his paw, his arm there, coming through Ukraine, and it happens to be eastern Ukraine. I mean, I just, I just noticed that. I just thought I'd throw that up there for interest. We find in Daniel chapter 9, or sorry, Daniel 11, 9 to 11. He says, so the king of the south, which I believe is Egypt over here. So you have kingdoms in the south, Egypt, Saudi Arabia. These are all the uh, Ishmaelites and so forth, all the descendants down here. And you have the king of the north up here. And he says, they shall return unto his own land. His sons shall be stirred up and assemble a multitude of great forces. Daniel saying the same kind of thing. And he says, and one shall certainly come and overflow and pass through, and he shall return and be stirred up even to his fortress. And the king of the south shall be moved with choler. Choler means anger. He's stirred up and he's angry. And shall come forth and fight with him, even with the king of the north. And he shall set a great multitude, but the multitude shall be given into his hand. So here's Daniel describing another great battle that comes at the end time. The king of the south, king of the north, all the nations, all those ones that are surrounding Israel. A great multitude, the Bible says, and they'll all come. And where are they, where are they heading to? What are they fighting against but Israel? Huh? You're supposed to, if you don't say amen, you're supposed to go, huh? Because there it is in the Bible. Wow. Now, if we had time, we could take a look at all of this here. Brother Branham said, and we won't read it all, but just for a couple of minutes, where's his seat at? The Antichrist? Brother Branham's asking the question. He's preaching on the mark of the beast. Where's his seat? How many knows that <coughs> the virus is not the mark of the beast? How many know the vaccine is not the mark of the beast? Where's his seat at? Not in Russia, but in Rome. Let me tell you, the, the news focus of the world is not on Rome. It's on Russia. The devil gave him his seat and his authority, Red Dragon, not Russia. I hear great ministers saying the Russians the Antichrist. Why, he says, the Russians has nothing to do with the Antichrist. It's the fault of Protestantism and Catholicism that's produced communism because of the money and the wealth of the world and all the rest of it here. Now, he says, if you give me one more night, I'll prove to you that communism is working straight in the hands of Almighty God to destroy the Roman dot, dot, dot. I say as God's prophet, the Russian Empire will drop an atomic bomb of some sort on the Vatican City and destroy it in one hour. Thus saith the Lord. There's the quote. Lots of people have asked me about this quote. That he says, I believe that, that Russia... So, in other words, some form of Russia has got to exist beyond today. That's all I'm saying. And a lot of times we think, well, we're the nations of the earth. We're going to take care of Russia and we're going to join together, join forces and cut them out of the markets and everything else. I don't know how they're doing it, but I'll tell you what. Some way or another, they're going to be sustained. That may not be popular, but they're, somehow or another, they're going to exist after all of this is done because they still have work to do. And I'm saying that this is stronger than politics. This is stronger than NATO. This is stronger than the United Nations. And it's going to come to pass. And it'll, it'll be destroyed in one hour, saith the, thus saith the Lord. And the Bible said that God took them cruel-hearted men, put them in his hands, and they were instruments in his hands to fulfill his will and bring her back exactly what she had come to her. Just like Nebuchadnezzar, he wasn't the greatest morally upstanding leader in the world, but God took him and used him because he was capable of doing what he needed done, and that was to take Israel off into judgment over here for 70 years, right? 
Not because Nebuchadnezzar is a favorite, but because he's capable of doing it. He's got the mechanisms and the system in place to haul off a nation and, and destroy their temple and bring them off into a foreign land and try to convert them all, right, as a form of judgment. Well, God's got his men in our time as well, cruel-hearted, who have the apparatus in place to fulfill God's will in this hour. You don't want to come under that. Let me tell you, you don't want to come under that. You want to be in tune with God's program. Like I said in the beginning, you want to be in, in sync with God's program. And we find in Revelation 17, and drop down to verse 17, For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will, and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast, until the words of God shall be fulfilled. It's all, it's all a working by Satan to have it all go back, because he's got a program too. Remember, Satan's not a creator, right? If God's got a program, Satan's going to have a program. But it's going to be a perversion of God's program because Satan's not a creator. He's a perverter of God's program. He's a perverter of God's word. Are we all right? And so therefore, he's got a program and he's got the power or the wealth and all of that. And he's causing these kings to give their power unto the beast and so forth. All of that happens in the last day here. I mean, Brother Branham says in 1958, watch these ten horns, watch these kingdoms, watch the way dictators lean. He said, tell me a dictator that doesn't lean towards communism. That's the way they go. And he says, all of this is happening here in the last day. And he says it again over here in questions and answers. And he said, he said, so many people don't know what to do. And this is the voice of God in the last day, 1963. So many, vo- so many voices, so many voices, people don't know what to do. There's so many voices, people don't know what to do. My goodness, if there's ever a day when so many voices are sounding, it's today. Right? All the blog writers, all the web designers, everybody else, all the governments, all the universities, everybody's got a site, everybody's got information to put out there, and everybody presents it in such a way that they're right. And there's still a lot of people out there to believe, well, if it's on the internet, it's true. So many voices that people don't know what to do. Don't you realize, folks, you'd be in the same boat as everybody else trying to figure out what's right, and I'll take this sentence here, and I'll take that there, and I'll take that there. If you didn't have an absolute, you'd be doing the same thing. You'd be doing the same thing. You'd be wasting your time, skidding your wheels, trying to, uh, trying to figure out what's right and what's wrong. What should we listen to? What should we not? Thank God for the discernment that comes by hanging around with God in the last day. Thank God for the discernment that you have just by knowing God's program. You know, there's a lot of things we may not know what's going to happen tomorrow, but you can look at something and say, that's not according to the word. My goodness, I don't need to worry about that. And just move right on. That's a gift of God. That's the grace of God in your life that allows you to carry on like that. Brother Bram says in the seals, I don't have it here on the board, he says, uh, but in the seals, he said, uh, he winds up all those loose ends, the seven days messenger. He said he winds up all the loose ends, and these fellows probed that, and the mysteries down through the years, and he said it reveals the entire revelation of God, and then the Godhead, and everything else is settled. That's what he says. Everything is settled in. Well, if you're a believer, it is. If you're not a believer, hey, well, now, you know, Brother Bram said that, yeah, but uh, Darwin said this. Or Sankey said this, or somebody else said something else. No, if it's of God, and let me tell you, and you got a revelation that God sent a prophet in this last day, to me it's settled. I might not be able to understand everything or be able to teach it like he taught it. I might not be able to figure it all out and project exactly what's going to happen tomorrow. But you know what? To me, to me, I'm settled. I'm not looking for some messenger. I'm not looking for some message. I'm not looking for some eighth prophet. I'm not looking for some discrepancy. If I wasn't settled, I'd be looking for a discrepancy to to give me justification to leave and to walk away. If I wasn't settled. To me, I'm settled. I believe this is right. I believe the message is right. I believe the Bible is right. 
I believe that God knew exactly what he was doing in sending this message at the time he did before all of this happened here. So we'd have an anchor going through the rough waves we go through in this hour. Without it, you'd be bouncing around like everybody else. You'd be floating around, flipping around like everybody else. And Brother Branham says, he says they have different groups and they're all running around. At the end of the first paragraph, what's the church, what are we supposed to do? Hear his voice. Church don't know what to do. He said political world's in chaos. Everything seems to be in chaos. Fellows run from here and there, some jacket, some coat. Like I told you before, uh, that guy out in Arizona who walked up in the minister's meeting and put his suitcase on the table, opened it up, and he had Brother Bram's pillow. And I, I, I just kind of, I guess in my own carnal way, I just wish I had been there. Because whenever Brother Bram used that pillow, he was asleep. I'd rather have his Bible or something. As if, as if that proves something. We got some jacket or some coat or a piece of his floor. A piece of the hardwood for, from his floor. I don't believe a, having a piece of Brother Bram's floor is going to give you rapturing faith. Should I have said that? He said, I was in Rome, and they got 19 vindicated nails that were drove into Jesus' hands. He said, there's only three, but yet they got recorded 19 different ones. What difference does it make who has the nail? Christ never left us nails to worship. He left us the Holy Spirit by his word. <laughs> it's almost humorous. Let me tell you, when, when we arrive in seasons as serious as this, God's got it under control. God knows exactly what he's doing. So he's got Enoch, and he's got Noah. And he says they're preaching. In other words, we've moved into a cycle of judgment, and you have two men like Enoch and Noah who are proclaiming the same thing. They're proclaiming the same thing. And if you, if you want to know what Enoch proclaimed, you go over in the book of Jude. And Jude will tell you that, you know, Enoch says there's judgment coming. He says, and God's going to judge those people up here and so forth, which is exactly the same thing as Noah's preaching here. Noah's building a boat. His expression of the message in the last day, comes out in the form of the boat, and he preaches the same sermon about oncoming storms of judgment. Never been any rain, doesn't matter to Noah. He's got a revelation. I mean, there's never been any kind of cataclysm like this before. Never, in, in, the first, in the first 2,000 years of mankind's existence on the earth, there's never been a worldwide destruction. I mean, hardly anyone died. And now Noah's saying that, listen, everybody's going to die. Unless you're in this boat, everybody's going to die. And, I mean, it must have been so preposterous. I mean, we can think of mass casualties now. They practice for mass casualty events all the time now, right? You know, in schools and, uh, you know, the World Trade Center. and Those are mass casualty events. And that's not a foreign thing to us. But in that day, they never had, I mean, they, hard, they never had funerals, hardly. Because everybody who lived, just about lived the whole span of Noah's time, or, you know, a pretty, uh, pretty good chunk of it. Funerals were not a big thing back in that day. And, and so the, the idea of Noah saying, everyone's going to die. Everyone's going to die. Everyone's going to die, unless you're on the boat. To us, to say that, uh, you know, Brother Bram says he turns and sees America as a smoldering wasteland, mass casualty event. Now, you know what? I, we can believe that that could happen. Yellowstone blows up, we can see that how this could happen. Or, you know, something goes on like, I mean, there are events that have taken place that let us know a lot of people can die real quickly in our, in our time, right? As sophisticated and technologically advanced as we are, a lot of people can die very quickly. 
But not back in the days of Noah. People didn't die very often back in that day. You've got to think about that. When you look at the age range and the timeline, <clears throat> there were not funeral homes on every corner. Because this was not a big deal. And when Enoch showed up missing, which is an oxymoron, but when he showed up missing, let me tell you, that was a real mystery to them because uh, people just didn't die like that. They just didn't wind up dead. And here's Noah with a message saying that everybody's going to die. And then Enoch comes along, same time, same cycle of judgment, and saying, there's going to be a judgment. And God's got a double witness in the earth. It's all going to happen. And the people must have looked at that. A lot of sincere people probably looked at that. But to get in the ark was an investment. To get inside that boat was an investment. And the people are looking at that and wondering. I would say this. My advice to you would be this in this last day. Don't worry about not getting the right revelation. Don't worry about not getting the right faith. God's obligated to make sure you get the right faith. And if I falter on preaching that, God will put somebody here who will give it to you because he's obligated to make sure you get to the place where your body's changed. So don't worry about that. If you're not in the place where you need to be, God will probably give me a word to help you get to where you need to be or other ministries and so forth. You run away from here, run away from God, and you're meant to be in the rapture. God will get you back God, the way of a transgressor's heart. So don't try that. But if, if God wants you to be uh, more in tune with this program, if God wants you to be closer to him, God has ways of getting that done. I'll say this. This is my last piece of advice. As a matter of fact, musician to come. Don't anybody go anywhere because I've got to read this last piece of advice. And this is for you. Everybody, I need you to listen. Musicians, why don't you just slide up here real gently. He swore by himself as the name of the sermon. All right, ready? Here's how Brother Bram said to walk. Walk unconscious of fear and criticism. Walk unconscious of the world. Walk with him. Not paying attention to the right or to the left. Just keep moving on. Everybody say it. Just keep moving on. Say it again. Just keep moving on. If something comes up in the church, walk with God. If sickness strikes you, walk with God. Neighbors don't like you? Keep on walking with God. Enoch one day walked like that. You know what he did? He walked all the way home with God. So far up the road, he didn't want to come back anymore. Doctor says you're going to die. When I go like this, then you're supposed to say, walk with God, okay? Let's do it again. Doctor says you're going to die. God has promised you I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You'll have your ups and downs, don't worry. You've got to go through briar patches over sharp rocks and bluffs and down on the hillsides, up through the mountains and over the waters, but let's stand to our feet. You'll have your ups and downs, don't worry. You've go, got to go through briar patches and over sharp rocks and bluffs and down the hillsides, up to the mountains and over the waters. But, doctor says you're too sick. Neighbors criticize you. Trouble in the church. Don't feel good. It's really not complicated. Really not hard. Brother Bram doesn't say, well, you need to work out a new theology and you need to do this and something else. No, doesn't say that at all. Brother Bram says, says to us, who are, if you walk in the light as he's in the light, the, the thing for a believer to do is to pretend that you're like Noah and just walk with God. God will get you where you need to be. God will direct you. God will 
uh, minister to you and he'll make sure that you get exactly to the destination that you're predestinated to. He knows exactly how to do that. Sure does. Ancient words ever true Me and changing you Have fun with open hearts Oh, let the ancient words impart First verse Wonderful. They resound with God's own heart. Oh, let the ancient words impart. Words of life, words of hope. Give us strength and help us
will follow. Lead me, Lord, I will Falling because they were made to fall. Made to crumble under the pressures of the age. You have actually put something in us that cannot and will not crumble. It's too strong for the pressures of this world. It's too strong for the, for the enemy's tactics. Lord, that's not our doing. We give you thanks for that. You actually... Put a portion of that kingdom in us by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we have a permanence that will outlive all these kingdoms of this world. How grateful a people should we be. How blessed we are, Lord, to know that nothing, no power, no bomb, no agency, nothing can stop the people of Hebrews 6. Can stop the people who have a portion of that kingdom within them. Lord God, we pray that you would just open our understanding, Lord, that we could see. And Father, may we learn when all else fails, the bad news comes, criticism arises, troubles come from every hand, that the thing the bride will do is walk with God. Help us, Lord. Help us to make that our theme going forward. Help us, Lord, I pray, to embrace that little three-letter phrase, Lord, and may it just burn in our hearts that nothing's going to stop the bride of Christ. We're going to walk with God. We're going to be like Enoch. Until we walk into a new world, a new earth that you prepared for us, we're going to walk with God. And Lord, on the way, we have those who need a healing touch, and I pray for them right now. I ask, Lord Jesus, that you'd bless 
our brother Lucas and Haley. Father, may you just give them your healing touch. Give them your strength, Lord, we pray. We think of Sister Cindy Walters tonight, Lord, and Sister Pascal. We pray your blessing would rest upon them, Lord. Father, we pray that you would just minister to our brother Tim. And, and Lord, is here tonight. And I just ask that you would give him that supernatural healing touch, Lord, that only the great physician can give. We think of Brother Burley, Lord. We think of Sister Solace tonight. And so many others, Lord, that are on our hearts. Sister Shirley and Brother Brian. And Father, those that are not well tonight, I, we lift them up before you and pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you'd minister to them. And I want to thank you, Lord, for your presence here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for that wonderful atmosphere we have, an atmosphere of faith and, Lord, of people receiving your word. Lord, may we go through the balance of this week now in victory, knowing, Lord, that we're not doing anything else but walking with God. We don't have to come up with rapturing faith. We don't have to come up with a message. We don't have to come up with a solution. We just got to walk with God because everything we need is in you, Lord. Have your way, we pray. And we'll give you thanks and praise. And, Lord, we're facing special meetings on the weekend. Lord, it's not at all just a social event. But I pray you'd anoint Brother Craig and, Lord, use him as a vessel for your glory. Use him, Lord, I pray, to speak to us. And we'll give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep your mind stayed on him. God bless you as you go tonight. Stayed on him faithfully and Yeah.